Let them fight. So Parth, what have you been eating? Trent, upon realizing that it was 2 p.m. as of this recording as having started, uh, I decided I would take a little five, just before recording, I would take a little five minute break to go heat up some pizza rolls and just stuff them in my mouth so I wasn't hungry. How many pizza rolls do you get when you organize pizza rolls? And do you like put them in a big circle on a plate? I put them on a, in a little circle on a little plate, but I, I usually have four. Whoa, that's like barely, that's like just enough to talk about during the introduction segment, but like yeah, not yeah. enough to make you sluggish during the pod. My, my thing is, I think normally people will have at least six, but yeah. I, you think you would fill up the entire, you know, yeah, circumference of the circle, whatever size plate you're working with. If I want to have a second serving. Double down? I love how pizza rolls taste. Do you get the pizza rolls with, like, the pepperoni inside? Well, I, uh, no. I, uh, yeah, so what? We're no beef che- household. Yeah, I know, just the cheesy kind, then? Yeah. I also don't really like... I mean, I've had them by accident. Sure. Um, wink, wink. No, I'm not... It's not... It's not. A, my, my dad accidentally bought the wrong kind, and then I bit into them, and I was like, hmm, this is different. This has meat. Yeah, this has sin factor. Yeah. And so what? Are you gonna go back and, uh, you know, do terrible things after the pod? Because then you can have more than four. I probably won't have pizza rolls, though. You think having two separate two separate sessions of pizza rolls in one day is problematic? Yeah, and also, uh, all I've had, it's 2 o'clock, or it's 2.04 right now. Yeah, and you've had Lucky Charms and pizza rolls? Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, nutritionally questionable. What about you, Trent? What have you had? I'm one to, like, starve it out until, like, 1 p.m., uh, and I just had a pliable, which, like, totally isn't healthy, but, I don't know, there's a bunch of fruit staring at you. And they just present it so nicely. You like that fruit sugar combo? Um, I like the, like the facade of comfort it provides me that it like acts like a you know a uh, of nutritional value. A proper breakfast, but if I were to do even the tiniest bit of investigation, I think I would be disappointed. So I think ignorance is bliss, and I'm just gonna keep paying eleven dollars for like a bowl of granola. That makes sense. We have pliables near me. It's dangerous to have something mid-priced and convenient and delicious within a certain radius of your house. Agreed. Like, as a kid, I was like, thank God there isn't a Taco Bell near me because I would, you know, it would be irresponsible. And then I moved to Utah and there was a Taco Bell within a five-minute drive. And and I remember those episodes. It's you an, were eating tacos a lot. It's an unsustainable lifestyle. Yeah, wow, this is really, this show is really a time capsule of, like, our dietary habits more than anything. Well, should we have a big episode upon us? Should we should we just move on in? More than a big episode, it's a special episode. That's true. Sure, I guess we can start. Cue the intro. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on that film. This week, we're doing something a little different though, aren't we, Trent? Yeah, we're not doing the thing you just described. Something else yeah. entirely. This is our third special episode. After the o- the Oscar spectacular, and... We did an end of year special. Yeah, and the 2020 summary episode. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is a big occasion for us. Parth, you kind of just wanted to force out this fun episode. Fun in quotes. I think we'll have fun. I just think wa- we'll have fun. Just wanted to change it up. Give give, give the audience, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air. 
we have uh, many episodes on the back burner to be released, but I wanted to change up the rhythm a little, you know, get get some new blood in here. Well, not new blood so much as just a new type of episode. Yes, the same, the, the, the same, same blood. Same blood. Same blood, new episode. So explain, I mean, I'm sure the title of the episode that all you nice people clicked on will give away most of it, but Parth, explain what we're here to do today. And what's the what's the official name for the episode? Like the direct uh, living director Sweet Six, Sixteen Spectacular. That sounds like an awful name, and we'll probably use it. Yep, we do like the word spectacular in our episode titles. As of as of recording, we do not know yet what the title of this episode will be. Yeah, subject to change, but expect a lot of adjectives. All right. So to explain what this is, we we spent a long time trying to figure out what we should do because we didn't we as you if you heard any of our previous episodes that were hyping up this episode we had no clue what we were going to do yes we were talking about it in very vague terms because until last night we had no idea even so far as this morning we were not 100% sure of what was happening yet here we are with a firm understanding so what we've come up with is a director's bracket and the criteria being that they're alive Yes, they have to be alive. They have to be living and currently making movies. Yes. And b- part, part of that being that we didn't want to do best living directors and we didn't want to do favorite living directors. And so we're at some point in the middle of directors whose movies you're excited to see when they come out. Yes. So what we have is 16 of the most interesting working directors that we think are pretty interesting pitted against each other. And these aren't necessarily our favorite directors. But these are directors where both Trent and I have seen a significant amount of their filmography. At least enough to have some level of an educated conversation about. So I think for each of these directors, we've both seen at least two of their films. And uh, we have a randomized bracket. No? Yes, we we do. We didn't want to do like a seating system. Or, I mean, quite frankly, it would be a lot of work to power rank them. So we thought to let the internet algorithms do their trick and to, you know. We we did it about four or five times maybe six times we randomly generated this bracket well yeah you really outed us there but we we did random generators until we saw like a first round that didn't put like our one and two seed against each other just so we could have more interesting conflict down the line so to get into our rules the basis has to be who would you be most interested in seeing their new movie so if they have a new movie coming out which one is hyping you up more yes but we have to, both of us, both Trent and I have to agree, we can have a lot of discussion, but we have to, at the end of the day, agree at who's advancing forward. And if we can't, each person gets two steals, whereby I say I steal, that means that my director, the person I think, progresses forward. And if for whatever reason Parth and I both steal simultaneously, we thought the most fair way to settle it would be with rock, paper, scissors. So yeah, so that is our director's bracket, and Trent, should I list off the directors we've got going on? Yes, yeah, uh, or maybe you can do it in no particular order, or if you want to do, list the matchups that we have. Sure. So for our first round, we have David Fincher versus Greta Gerwig. Second round, we have Ari Aster versus Jordan Peele. Third round, we have Paul Thomas Anderson versus Wes Anderson. Uh Yeah, nice, right? Fourth round, we have Sofia Coppola versus Martin Scorsese. Fifth round, we have Ryan Johnson versus the Coen brothers. Sixth round, we have Christopher Nolan versus Spike Lee. Seventh round, we have Quentin Tarantino versus Steven Spielberg. And the eighth round, we have Edgar Wright versus Noah Baumbach. 
So again, these are not necessarily, I mean, obviously some of our favorite directors are on here, but these aren't necessarily all of the directors that we love the most or whose filmographies we think are the best, because obviously some of these people have only made two movies, but these are people that if they had a new movie coming out, we'd be pretty reasonably excited. Yeah. And it's a interesting conversation because a lot of, you know, filmmakers that we like are dead. So that, that narrows the field a little bit. And um, it, we're totally biased here because some of these people are on the top 10 list for, you know, best living directors and other ones are somewhat obscure, but Parth and I just have soft spots for. But I mean, what you didn't, you didn't come here for objective opinions. You came here no. to listen to us talk about something for 45 minutes to an hour. And also we need to mention, yes, we are pretty aware that this is mostly straight white men, but, but, but we've got. We, we tried to get some people of color and we tried to get some women. We didn't get too many, but the problem is we need to get people that both of us have seen enough of their filmography to talk intelligibly about. And in case you didn't know, the film industry is mostly filled with straight white men. Um, but we we showed some representation. You know, we, we do what little we can here at Craft Services. It's not two minorities co-hosts, but just one. You know, we're, we're, we're doing what we can. Um, all right, do we want to proceed to the first round? Is it just going to start just like that? I guess so. Should I? Yeah, let's do it. Round one. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Round one. Fight. Round one. Wait, there can be like a... We could do like a wrestling bell. Ding, ding, ding! sound effect yeah. <laughs> yeah i like that i i feel like for some for some of these there's going to be uh, a lot of argument and for others that almost yes not. i i already know one of them that's going to cause a lot of argument between you and me and yeah th- there's going to have to be a lot of natural compromise because otherwise you can't go anywhere so we'll both have to be a little flexible yes so round one correct so round one insert sound effect here Round one. So round one, we've got David Fincher versus Greta Gerwig, and this is not fair. Yeah, no, uh, David Fincher has way more films. Greta Gerwig's made two movies, and they've both been really well-received. David Fincher has made more movies, and pretty much all of them have been well-received. All but one, which is not even really his movie. I think in terms of seniority, David Fincher advances to the next round. It, It has to be David Fincher, except I have to say this. David Fincher... I, we said this, I think, on our Gone Girl episode, but da- and did we do another David Fincher movie, or was, was it just Gone Mank. Girl? Yeah, Mank. I think Greta Gerwig has a pretty interesting future lined up for her. She's going to make movies for the next 30 years or so. There's no reason for her to suddenly become irrelevant. Yes, and I mean, she's got a Barbie movie coming up. Uh, I think she's acting in the next Noah Baumbach movie. So I think she's got some pretty varied and interesting things coming up, and David Fincher, again... He chooses not great scripts and elevates them to, like, pretty good, great status. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it'll be yet to be seen. But again, David Fincher is just such a king amongst men. He He's, he's royalty here on the pod. It, it, it would be, we'd be amiss to not, you know, to just brush him through round one. Yeah. Uh, but we, we were talking about Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, wonderful movie. And uh, we, at least, you like Little Women. I have mixed feelings on Little Women. I only saw Little Women, or sorry, I only saw Lady Bird once, and I was not a huge fan of it, but I thought it was pretty well made, and I 
I saw Little Women in theaters with my mom, and I really loved it. I'm a little mixed on its ending, but I, I really liked it. I'm the opposite way. But it was nice to have Greta here. Uh, she's gone now. It clicked in, and I remember consciously thinking, oh, people don't like this. Should we move on to round two? Yes. So round two, we've got Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. See, this is an interesting matchup because this is two directors, both with two films, and both who I would consider were two for two, as in both movies are very uh, well-respected by audiences and critics alike. I think this is going to be one where we disagree. Because... I want to say Ari Aster and you want to say Jordan Peele. Yeah. State your case. <laughs> Have you, you've seen both, you've seen Midsommar I've seen both and Hereditary. Yes. Yeah, all four movies. You've seen all four in question. Yeah. So here's my deal. Wait, 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 wait. First answer me this. Are you more Midsommar, Hereditary, and then any more Get Out or Us? I prefer Midsommar to Hereditary. Me, me too. And I prefer Us to Get Out. Oh, part. Me but too. I think, but I think Get Out is a better movie. I just uh, think that Get Out is better than uh, than Hereditary as first. No, but films? Get 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 Out is better than Us. I think that I think that Us is more enjoyable to watch, and I was more engaged with. I think I, I just enjoyed the vibe of it a little bit more. Yeah, but I think Get Out is really cleanly written, whereas I think Us is a little bit more wonky. Which do you think is a more impressive first film? Clearly, Get Out got more recognition. I think I think on the whole, Get Out is a way more impressive. I mean, not that Hereditary isn't, but my problem with Hereditary is, I mean, spoilers for Hereditary. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't think the movie ever fully recovers from what, what happened from from the head. People say it peaks incident. too early. I agree. I think that it peaks really early and that's so disturbing and so well done that nothing that happens later on in the movie is anywhere near as disturbing. See, uh, I agree with you, but the time I saw Hereditary in the theater, Toni Collette in the third act, you know, sawing her head off, that was, like, the last image that I saw that, like, really left a mark on me. And Like, I thought, I thought of... It was th- funny, though. It wasn't... Like, I when I saw it, I thought yeah. I wasn't... It was incredibly I the, tense. I, 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 it was, like, the most graphic thing I'd seen in a couple of years. I don't know if this is makes me fucked up, but... I saw this in theaters with Alex Lane, previous guest of the show. Friend of the show. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so we saw this movie in theaters, and the third act start becomes kind of crazy at a certain point. It starts becoming more and more like a nightmarish type scenario. Sure. I think that Ari Aster fixes the issues that I have with Hereditary and Midsummer, uh, where in Hereditary, because it peaks so early, because the type of disturbing of seeing that like little girl's head lopped off, it's so like emotionally upsetting that any of the physical like the like the dad being set on fire the people losing their heads it's kind of just like okay this is evil dead shit it's like it's creepy but it's and it's well made but it's it's like evil dead shit it's not like it for me personally and i've seen it a few times i didn't find it each time i watch it the more i'm impressed by the first 40 minutes and the less i'm impressed by everything that comes after so uh, I don't know what the next Jordan Peele film is expected to be. I saw a Q&A with Ari Aster, and he said something about his next film being like a dark comedy, but I know that he considers Midsommar to be a dark comedy. So who knows like what it, yeah, it could, what that means. He, it seemed insinuated that it's going to be more of a traditional drama, but it, it he seems to have horror roots. Jordan Peele has another movie. I don't think it's anything has come out about it, but some people have been cast. I don't remember who, though. How do we settle this? I think Jordan Peele... I just feel like with his work, there's a little bit more 
of a social commentary-esque vibe going on he, to it. He's clearly being recognized more Oscar-wise. You have that edge on me. But it doesn't feel like a like a put-on. It feels like this is something that he's actually interested in. It's not just a... No, it's it's the best, like, social horror... Or what, what, how, what's the genre that this movie has, has been... Uh, like a thriller, a social thriller? Isn't it that? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's more or less... I mean, not like reinventing a genre, but it's definitely, like, unique in of itself. With two movies, I think that Jordan Peele has kind of... There's a lot of movies that come out where it's like, oh, this is like a Jordan Peele ripoff. Like, like there's that movie Antebellum that came out. It didn't look good. Was it good? No, I don't think it was. I, I didn't see it. But when you when you saw uh, when people went to go see it, they or said, when people saw the trailer, oh, is... it looks like a Jordan Peele movie. And I think that he's got a very distinct kind of look that's very clean. You're saying that Jordan Peele essentially cornered a market, and he's like more recognizable and relevant. I think he's more recognizable and relevant, and I think I'm more interested in the things he has to say. Whereas with Ari Aster, I think he's great, and I re- and I really think that he's Midsummer- just he's just a short Jewish funny guy. But like, I mean, that's sure. great. Yeah, but oh, I guess we got a Jewish person in, or a few Jewish people. In. All right, let's pat ourselves on the back for a minute. But yeah, keep Woo-hoo! going. But what I was going to say is I think that he's really great. And I think Midsummer is excellent. I, I think Midsummer is like, like the first time I saw that in theaters, it was like, I don't know. It, it was early film school days. I was like, it, it, I don't know. That you very that one hit hard. You very rarely see a new release and you like think about it for a couple days after. And Midsommar did that for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, really like it. But for me... I think it's more, I really like Midsummer. I don't know that I necessarily am like, oh, I want to see more from this person necessarily. I do want to see, but it's not like a, um, with Jordan Peele, I'm more interested in the things that he has to say. Whereas I really like Midsummer. That movie is like him dealing with an abusive relationship, I guess, or his own breakup. I don't know that like, I have a distinct idea of what he would do next and what whether that would actually be an interesting take. I think it's an especially interesting comparison because I think it they both have like a, a a linear progression in that their first films are like more serious and then their second ones they not not that they have a a lighter tone but I don't know they're like Oh you you think you think Midsummer has a lighter tone? Than Hereditary? I definitely think it's like easier to watch and like brighter. Really? I, I find her I find Midsummer way more heavy harrowing to get through. Really? I visually obviously it's brighter but I I think maybe it's like all the body horror stuff and it's just like the cult shit. It's just like gross and like creepy to me. Mm. Um I could I, I I could sleep at night if you if you force my hand and advance Jordan Peele. Okay. We we we're doing this. It, it, it happened. Yeah, my first reaction is that he's lost all credibility. <laughs> so for the next round, uh, as ironic as it sounds, we have Paul Thomas Anderson versus Wes Anderson. And again, this was totally randomized. This was not intentional. Yes. Uh, so Paul PTA's next movie is Soggy Bottom. I heard someone say on a podcast that's more professional than ours that they expect that as a placeholder name, which I, I didn't expect. And um but it, I don't I, think it's a I don't think it's a placeholder name anymore. I, I just think uh because it's like so, you know, tongue in cheek that they expect it for whatever reason. Um it's starring Bradley Cooper. I don't know that much more about it. Wes Anderson, next movie, French Dispatch, obviously a lot of press and anticipation around that. Crazy ensemble cast. 
Uh, I think it's going to be, I don't know if you can say his best movie yet, but it's like probably his highest budgeted, like most resources. I mean, he definitely, it seems like a culmination after the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. He's accumulating actors and this is all of them. And now he's like got uh, Chalamet under his wing. So it's going to incorporate a whole new audience. And I think Wes Anderson's hit or miss of the Oscars, but like he got recognized for Grand Budapest and I could see him getting nominated for this. Sure. Okay. So I'll, I'll give my pick. Sure. I'm going to go with PTA. Yep. Um, you agree? State your case. So my case is this, is that I think both make consistently really good movies, but I think I, you kind of know what you're getting with Wes Anderson at this point. Yeah. But in a good way. In a very good way. It's it's like you're going to pay uh $8 student discount for like a warm hug from like a really nice guy. Yeah, and but my only issue is that I think the PTA does pretty varied things with his work. You know, Boogie Nights is no not really anything like Inherent Vice, which is not really anything like Phantom Thread, which is not really much like, you know, much of his other work. And I think that he's a pretty varied director and he works with material that's pretty different. And while I really like Wes Anderson's style, I kind of know it's going to be, oh, this is going to be kind of about childhood, and it's going to be a little bit sad, it's going to be a little bit quirky, and it's going to star Bill Murray. There's definitely more surprise factor with PTA, but PTA kind of does do a similar thing where he likes ensemble casts, and there's- For sure, yeah. And there's sort of a, like, he used to, he recycles actors, like he, Julianne Moore, no? A lot? I, I agree. The, the only reason I'm going PTA is because if we're going to go with who- Whose movie am I going to see next? I'm more intrigued by a PTA movie to just by virtue of wanting to know what it is yeah. than by a Wes Anderson because you, movie. Yeah, because you already know what a Wes Anderson movie is going to be. Uh, has PTA ever been recognized by the by the Academy? Maybe for like the Master? Oh, yeah. Fan, no, oh, he's fa- won. Phantom he, Thread. He's, 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 oh, no, he's been uh, nominated a bunch of times. But I think. never won. I don't think he's ever won, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure There Will Be Blood won the Oscar for Best Cinematography. And, and Daniel Day-Lewis definitely and won Dan- for yeah. that. So we agree on PTA to PTA. the next round. Uh, especially because I saw Boogie Nights for the first time in the last year, and that's become one of my top five movies of all time right now. So I, I'm easily convinced. And, you know, and Wes Anderson is is such a nice rewatch director, It's it, um, but... PTA, I think, has more... He's, he's more exciting to me. Agreed. And nobody wanted to have anything to do with this. <laughs> the next round. So, next round, again, another not 100% fair. It is Sofia Coppola versus Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese clearly has uh, additional decades on his resume. And yes. some of the greatest films of all time, if you probably if you looked at the AFI list, it's probably got like three or four installments. Sofia Coppola probably has zero. Her best-known film is, you know, Lost in Translation, Virgin Suicides, Marie Antoinette. Uh, her most recent movie was On the Rocks with Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Don't know what she has planned next. What's what's Marty got lined up? Well, he's doing uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon. That's filming currently. And who's in that? Leo, Robert De Niro, uh, Jesse Plemons. There, there's a bunch of yeah, that sounds pretty good. big. Big actor or yeah, big people coming in. Okay, so again, I don't know that this is necessarily fair, but this was the most... I'm telling you guys, we went through five or six of these randomly generated. There was going to be a few. Yeah, that, that were overpowered. Yeah, so... You th- uh, yeah, continue. 
I feel like this is an easy win for Marty. Yeah, Marty is gonna is gonna end up advancing to the next round. I will say, let's compare their most recent films. Uh, Mar- Scorsese. I haven't seen On the Rocks. Uh, you've seen uh, the you've seen the Irishman. Yes, but I've seen I've seen many of Sofia Coppola's movies, and what I'll say about her is that I really like her style. I think she does something that's not. It's it's a very weird kind of style where it it's you it's very stylistic, but it, when you start to talk about what's actually stylistic about it, it's kind of just like. I don't know. It's like a feeling. Yeah. And I, I think she's got a, a really fun vibe to her movies or they're, they're very interesting. And I kind of like the topics that she explores. But a lot of the times I find her movies to be that was interesting. I don't know if I really liked liked it, but it was interesting. So I, I went through uh, essentially an Internet optical course to get Apple uh, or what the Apple Plus? What the fuck is the stream? Apple TV Plus. Yeah, yeah. I took Apple TV Plus just to watch On the Rocks because I was really excited about its release, and I was kind of very disappointed. It didn't have what you described as like the the feeling in the air, or mm-hmm. you know, just like the glare on the camera that like feels a little like nostalgic. It didn't have that. It felt kind of flat. And um, mm-hmm. you uh, you speak on The Irishman and where it falls in for Martin. I mean, I think that's one of his best movies. Uh, like without a doubt uh, the, the, here's the thing about scorsese is that i think he's a weird guy because he's he's like in his 80s 70s something like that and he's still operating at like the top of his game he's still he may not be releasing movies that are you know perfect or something but he's releasing movies that are some of the best that he's ever made in his 70s how many more movies do you think he's gonna make i'm gonna go with three i was gonna say somewhere in the ballpark of three and so that's why I think partially because I think he's a better director and partially because I need to see what he makes in his last few, you know, that this is really the end of his career. And I'm very interested to see what that brings. Sure. All right. Advance. Marty. Yeah, I think as a, as a director, you, you have to um, persevere and have that kind of persistence and people have to say no to you a hundred times and you can't give up. And that's part of, I think, being a director. Yeah, the, the the sun is setting on Scorsese's career, but he doesn't seem discouraged. But at, at this, like, he he's had so many ups and downs that it's so nice to see him back on top again. Like after Wolf of Wall Street, it really catapulted him back into relevance. Like people Agreed. people really care about him again, for for better or for worse, for the general culture. And but I, uh-huh. I I feel like most directors. I mean, part partly the nature of being seventy years old. But even if you've directed good movies for 40 years, you're kind of washed up. Like, you've said what you've had to say. Yeah. And even though The Irishman is partly recycling what what Marty knows best. Well, it, it recycles certain aesthetic elements of, like, gangsters and Italians and whatnot. But, but it isn't commenting on them in the same way. Kind of similar to a West, what I'm, the opposite of Wes Anderson where I think he's using similar aesthetics to talk about the same thing. It'll be fun each time, but it is kind of the same thing. Yeah, because Wes Anderson's going to be talking about childhood in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so next we have Ryan Johnson and the Coen brothers. Yeah. Are you expecting uh, conflict here? Um. Well, Trent really pushed for the Coen brothers. Um, yeah, so maybe there was a last-minute switcheroo, maybe there was not. Maybe Sam Raimi was going to make this. All right, so I'm going to go with Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. because I think uh, it's kind of the similar thing with the Coen brothers with Wes Anderson, although I think with 
way less. It's, it's different. They make different movies. They make different genres of movies. They make different tones of movies. Um, but I don't know if it's just because I they were never one of my guys. They never people that like sort of inspired me in any sort of way where I really like a lot of their movies that I've seen, but it, it's not been like a, oh, and now this kind of changes my outlook on film in some way or in writing in some way. Whereas with Ryan Johnson, he's made way less movies, but he's done pretty varied. He's had a pretty varied career with genre. And a lot of his movies have inspired me to look at writing in a different way or to look at directing in a different way, you know, specifically knives out. I know this is maybe uh, controversial, but The Last Jedi, and I really, really like Looper as well. So that's so if he's coming out with something, I'm sure in some way it's going to be like another director will end up talking about. It's going to be how did you think of that? Like where did that come from? You know, I think the the end of first act revelation in Knives Out is how how do you think of that? You know, that it, it really is inspiring to me on some sort of writing level. So uh, that's my that's my case for Ryan Johnson. So the Coen Brothers last movie was the Ballad of Buster Scrubs, which uh, I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot of good things about. As much as I think the my favorite Coen Brothers movies were done in the 90s, I'm looking at their IMDb here and they have uh, incredibly strong movies throughout the early 2000s and the 2010s. And I like how how there's I mean, you know, they did no country like it's like there's a funny element, but there's also like a crime element. And it's like you're always going to be in for a good story and, you know, interesting cinematography and like, you know, but do I how many movies has Ryan Johnson done? So Ryan Johnson has made five movies. The only ones I've seen of his were The Last Jedi and Knives Out, both of which, um, you know, I originally had mixed feelings on Last Jedi. I've since come around, and Knives Out I've liked through and through since the beginning, and now I like the direction they're taking Knives Out too, with, like, a completely new story, but the through line of Daniel Craig. So that all... And I know... <laughs> I haven't seen Brick, but people speak really fondly about it. I haven't seen Looper, but people really like it. So I think in terms of like momentum, I hear the argument for Ryan Johnson having more, you know, it seems like that he's not a household name yet. Sorry, are you going Coen Brothers? Um, at least for the sake of argument at, at this moment, I'm, but if, if what we're, if what we're talking about here is. Whose movie, who, whose upcoming movie, and not like it, like specific Knives Out 2, but like on the whole, if they're coming out with a new movie, whose are you more interested in seeing? See, I mean, the next Cone planned Cone Brothers movie is The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, and if you're asking me if I'd rather see that or Knives Out 2, it's Knives Out 2. Um, but at the same time, I think Fargo <laughs> is like one of my favorite movies of all time. But I think if I'm willing to look past that fact, I'm, I'm down with Ryan Johnson advancing. Okay. Things change. It's a different year. So next up, we've got Spike Lee versus Chris Nolan. Yes. Uh, Spike Lee's last movie was To Five Bloods. I don't know what's next. Do you? Uh, neither do I. I. I do know that he has a movie planned, but then that was before pandemic. It was ready to go. And then Spike Lee said that he doesn't want to shoot until COVID's fixed up. So and I don't. C- Chris Nolan's last movie was Tenant. And, and we have no idea what he's doing next. Cool. I mean, it, but he, I think he's been he's held a few discussions with a few actors, which is what he does generally when he's getting ready for his next project. 
And it's um, going to be with Warner Bros., or is that what's in contention? That's in contention because he got pissed off about the HBO Max at the same time as theaters release yes. type thing. And also all the stuff with Zack Snyder, with Warner Brothers treating him maybe not so nicely, uh, maybe badly, some could say horribly. There's a lot of contention between Warner Brothers and uh, Chris Nolan. So we'll see what studio he goes with. Spike Lee or Spike Lee's to five bloods was like our first big episode here on the show. If you're willing to scroll all the way down. So it, it was a historical moment for us. Uh, so I, I feel, I mean, did you like that movie? How, how are you looking back? No, I, I really, I've seen a few Spike Lee movies at this point and I really, really like him, but I love Nolan. Yes, you do. That, that, that's the thing. Arthur, is you're, that showing your, you're showing your true colors right now. With every Spike Lee movie that I've seen, even if I don't fully love it, I found something pretty interesting to take away from it. Kind of the same thing as Sofia Coppola. But with every Nolan movie, every time he releases a movie, there's it's a good chance that it, it's my favorite movie of the year. Of yeah. that year, generally. And the and it's it's that same... This is the same thing I was going to say with... Um, that I was saying with Ryan Johnson of you'll watch a Christopher Nolan movie. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. It'll blow my mind or it'll be like, what the fuck's happening? Sure. And then you actually watch the movie and you're like, who the fuck comes up with that? How, who, who thinks of that? And you it's know, Nolan. Like, and it blows your mind in some way. You know, some people don't like that, but I do. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I need to sell you on this, but Nolan's one of my favorite directors. He's one of the most influential people for me. So Pretty much every Nolan movie that he's released in the past 15 years since The Dark Knight has been, like, like table, like, dinner dinner conversation. Like, yeah. you know, when I was fucking nine, I didn't have a clue what was going on in Inception. But after I saw it with my parents, we talked about it for a couple months after that. Yeah. And I, he's one of the few directors who has the power to do that. Like, that to still make... He, he, I mean, he's... Like, when he comes out with a movie once every three summers, like, you're gonna, like, I don't know, if, you, if you're awake in the film community, you're gonna go see his movie, and he's one of the few people who has the draw to do that. I mean, like, him and Tarantino are some of the only people whose, like, style, who have su- such a following that, uh, like, every every time, no matter what it is, there's gonna be a lot of people who see it. Yeah. So, we're advancing Chris Nolan. Yes, I mean, of the Spike Lee movies I've seen, Do the Right Thing, uh, Black Klansman, and Five Bloods, I've loved all of them, and I really like Spike Lee's style, but he's, uh, he, he, he's outmatched. Are you British? Yeah. Are you British? I am. Let me give you a British answer. It was my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Not my cup of tea! All right, so for round seven, we've got Quentin Tarantino versus Steven Spielberg. Tarantino's last was Once Upon a Time. He's made, you know, arguably nine films, and he says he's on to a tenth. I guess we only have one more movie, too. Isn't that, doesn't that break your fucking heart? Uh, I know. Maybe maybe I'm just used to him saying that he's going to make ten movies, so I'm just like, okay. I know he wants to be a dad and hang out with his 30-year-old wife, which I totally get. Because he's made some of the most, like, culturally relevant movies of the past few decades. But I don't know. If I was a successfully commercial... If I was a commercially successful filmmaker, I would want to make movies until I was 75 and unable to do so. 
I'm interested in him doing things outside of filmmaking, though, because he said he's not retiring, retiring. He's going to make books and stuff. Well, yeah, he just wrote a novelization of Once Upon a Time, which is like I think is a cool idea, but I, I, I think his ability to create new material is like like just create universes of Inglorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time, or Pulp yeah, Fiction. Yeah, he, he's, he's really good at creating aesthetics, like entirely new aesthetics. I'm much more interested in him creating another world than you know, making an extended universe for Inglorious Bastards as much as I think that would be interesting. And also, I think him as a TV director, for whatever reason, isn't the same. And I don't want that. Well, I don't think he would ever do TV, really. He's talking about doing five episodes of Bounty Law. He's got the five... Well, he's, he has five written scripts. I don't know. He would have to get Leonardo DiCaprio to... Which is not going to happen. Which is not... I don't think it's happening. But, all right, so Tarantino versus Spielberg. State your case. What is Spielberg... Well, Spielberg's last was The Post, and his next is West Side Story. I thought The Post was boring. It shouldn't have been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, West Side Story didn't need to be adapted. It's, you know, it's my favorite musical of all time. But I'm glad they're doing it again. I'm going to see it. It's probably going to be good. But I'm definitely more excited for the, you know, the final Tarantino movie. So even though Steven Spielberg... Well, try even even outside of, like... It being the last Tarantino movie. Let's say Tarantino were to go... Yeah, if he had more of a future lined up. Yeah, would you, would it still be that way? Uh, yeah, I think Tarantino is more in the public spotlight and like still in like his heyday when some might argue that Steven Spielberg hasn't made a good movie in the past 10 years. Uh, I would really strongly argue against that, but the, I... The last, good, the last great Steven Spielberg movie, I think, is Catch Me If You Can, which is 2002. Whoa, whoa! You didn't, you didn't like. Um, what you want, War of the Worlds? Well, I think War of the Worlds is okay. Um, I, I really liked he 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 made Lincoln. I really love uh, Adventures of Tintin. Uh, I haven't seen Munich, but I've heard that's very good. I personally liked Ready Player. Uh, sorry, not Ready Player One. I haven't seen that. I saw uh, Ready Player I, One, and it was. Eh. I personally liked The Post, but um, I would agree. I would. <sighs> I would agree that he's kind of in opposition to uh, Scorsese for me, where Scorsese and him are kind of comparable in that they're both directors in their 70s that are still pumping movies out relatively consistently. Mm -hmm. But Scorsese is still kind of pushing himself, whereas I think Spielberg is a little bit on cruise control. Yeah. Making very technically competent movies and very well-made movies with good acting and good directing. But a lot of times it'll be like, that's all right. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. But, you know, he's, he's Steven Spielberg has still made like uh, four decades where he had like a uh, like a, a historical movie where he went Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park. And then I guess you could say Catch Me If You Can for the 2000s is his most, you know. Yeah, that and Minority Report. And I guess I think, Tar- uh, two. Tarantino's only had the 90s and the 2000s and I guess now the 2010s. So he's, he's catching up. Next round. All right, last round. Who made the picture? Somebody's mother? The director. This man made yours. Are you kidding? Who's kidding who around here? It's a dark day in Hollywood. Absolutely. <laughs> shiny, but this is a very this is dark, a dark day. day for our pal. The greatest picture of all time was made, and they haven't recognized the, the director. director. Who made it? The shark? It's a matter of logic. Who made the best picture? All right, all right. You know. That's it. Oh. I'm suffering enough. All right, we're suffering. No more, with I'm you. suffering. We're suffering. Cancel my day. Right, we're getting drunk. Cancel my week. Right, that's right. Going I'm, going to, I'm going to Palm Springs. This is called commercial backlash. All right, so for the last round, we've got Edgar Wright and Noah Baumbach. I'm anticipating a thing I'm going to have to do with this one. 
Oh yes, uh, we have included a failsafe system for uh, for this exact sort of thing. Edgar Wright's last was Baby Driver's next is Last Night in Soho. What, Baumbach's last was Marriage Story. His next is I believe White Noise, which I'm so fucking excited for. So I'm with Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I think every movie that he's made has been technically perfect. They're just so perfectly constructed. His movies and written, they're just impenetrable, kind of. And I've seen Noah Baumbach's movies, and Which I ones? really like them. Um, I've seen Marriage Story. I I went through a Noah Baumbach phase where I saw like four of his movies in four days. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the one with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Jeff Daniels. Squid in the Whale. I saw that one. I saw the one with Ben Stiller. That's and Naomi Watts. That's while we're young. I saw the one with Adam Sandler and well, just Adam Sandler. That, that, that's Meyerowitz stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I've seen a few more. Those are kind of three I, of the weaker ones. I mean, Squid of the Squid in the Whale is really good, but the the, but the latter two I'm like, eh. I, I I've seen. I really like Meyerowitz stories. I've seen some of his stronger ones. Kicking and Screaming, his first film, is very impressive. I think. Really, I I, I thought people were kind of mixed on that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's very much like a young adult art student movie, but you know, mm. t- target audience. What was Edgar Wright's first film, and how many films does he have? Because I'm pretty sure Noah Baumbach has eleven. He has five, I think. Um, he, well, technically he has six. Uh, he made a movie that was like a parody type Western called A Fistful of Fingers. What, what was his first film? How did he rise to power? Sha- Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Shaun of the Dead was his first real movie. I think he works in a lot of different genres, and I'm always interested to see what stylistic stuff he comes up for it. And Noah Baumbach feels a little bit like Wes Anderson to me. Yes, I mean, they are friends. Um, yeah. And they have. And, and it kind of shows. They have co-written films. Uh, I think No Bombback, to his benefit, is more grounded, and I think he's the cornerstone of conversational dramas. Uh, now that we fucking hate Woody Allen, Noah Bombback has takes up yeah. all, all of. That. I think he and Greta Gerwig are kind of the two. Him and Greta Gerwig that. are a fucking powerhouse, and they are going to um, like take over like the as if they haven't already taken over the indie scene. Are you going to use the steel? Uh, where are you going to go for Bombback? Bombback having more movies helps. Um, I mean, they're around the same age. Uh, you can use the steel. Maybe. I, well, if we both have two steels, I'm tempted to use one now. Uh, but you you do whatever feels right. I'm, I'm going to go for Edgar Wright. I'm going to use it. All right. He's using the steel. That's fine. All right. So Edgar Wright advances. I wanted to see both sides. I think it was important that you see both sides. I guess, not that this is much of a competition, but now I have two steals. I could really make make the rest of... I could make this yep. go however I wanted. I could really make some chaos. Alright, now we're in round two. Round two. Fight. We're down to eight directors. The Elite Eight. So, first up, we've got David Fincher versus Jordan Peele, and this doesn't require much of a conversation, I don't think. David Fincher. Yes. I mean, as interested as I am in a Jordan Peele movie, I'm interested more in a Fincher movie. And as disappointed I was by Mank, um, I... I thought it was your favorite movie of 2020. Yeah, I what mean, to that? Uh, those days are behind us. Uh, are I, I never... Did I really say that? Wow. Um, yeah. That hasn't aged well. Um, but I, I, I'm first in line for what he has next, and he's probably my favorite working director. Jordan Peele, I'm sure you have a very bright future, but goodbye for now. Not exactly what I had in mind. Round two is PTA and Martin Scorsese. This is difficult. 
Uh, I'm team PTA. Uh, when we were in the... Dis- Sell me on this. When we were in the early stages of this, I said, Martin Scorsese is clearly an obvious person to include, but he's not really one of my guys. And outside of Goodfellas, which is one of my favorite movies, uh, and I'm not, I'm not uh, particularly informed, but uh, I'd, I'd go... I, I, PTA is one of my guys, in comparison. So... Hmm. I mean, I I, say... PTA has a brighter future at this point, even though Martin Scorsese yeah. is, if you look up Best Living Directors, Martin Scorsese is number one currently. Here's the thing. I don't think PTA is one of my guys. I, I think he's interesting. And Scorsese is not really one of my guys, but I think I saw The Wolf of Wall Street when I was really young. And outside of all of the shenanigans that happened in that movie, I was that was one of the movies where I was like, was like wow, the filmmaking in this is, like, I took note of that. Yeah. You know, that being said, I am more interested in a PTA movie coming out. Me too. Let's, let's advance him. That, that's a big issue. That's a big issue. Here we've got Ryan Johnson and Chris Nolan. Um, I don't think we have to overdo it with uh, foreplay here. I think Chris Nolan. Yeah, as much as I like Ryan Johnson, Chris Nolan will always what out, out what the fuck you. Uh, if you will. I would be worried if everybody across the board was like, yeah, that was a good movie. It's much more exciting to me when you get, you know, um, a group of people who are, like, coming up to you and and really, really excited about it, and you know it's going to be something that they're having their DVD collection. And then there are other people who walk out just, I mean, literally saying that was the worst movie I've ever seen. Next we have Tarantino and Edgar Wright. It's interesting because we're catching Tarantino at the end of his career, and Edgar Wright could make 15 more movies. See, I'm, I might have to use my steel here and use Tarantino. Well, just, let's, let, let me just discuss it for a second, and then you can use your steel. Just so I can. All right. Because I, I really love the movies that Tarantino makes, and I really love the movie that movies that Edgar Wright take, makes. But? But. Um, I think that Edgar Wright makes... I, I think that... Uh, Tarantino is very, very good, but he's a little unfocused, and that he's a little too self-indulgent and, like, likes his stuff a bit too much. And I think that sometimes that hurts his movies. Um, Whereas I think Edgar Wright is really exacting, and his movies are gonna be perfect. You know, there will be flaws you can throw at them, but they won't be necessarily like, well, clearly that should have been changed. It'll be, I didn't like that story decision, not that that story decision didn't make sense, if that makes sense. But... I can respect your use of a steel with Tarantino. Yeah, when we were talking about... Edgar Wright's made six movies. I've seen four of them being Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, and Hot Fuzz. And I kind of... Like, his style, I feel like, is very pure in... What's the trilogy called? Cornetto. Yeah, in, in that... And the two installments of that, which I've seen... I recognize the style, and I like that, but the stories themselves, I just kind of feel indifferent towards. And, yeah, I just think Tarantino is is more of a powerhouse. Even though I think he's only gotten better with time, being that his later films, Pilgrim and Baby Driver, I think he's, he's becoming more refined when he's, like, taking on material that isn't his own, I guess. Well, I mean... Well, they're all his own material. Well, I mean, Scott Pilgrim isn't. Well, he wrote it, though. I mean, I guess it is based on something, but um, he's Baby Driver is all him. Yeah, Baby Driver, like... I think I think as his budgets have increased and as he's moving, 
I think if you look at his earlier movies, there's a little bit of an ironicism to them or irony yes. to them. Whereas I think now he's sort of moving into, okay, no, no, this is a real movie. There's, this is not, we're satirizing something. This is not ironic. This is what it is. Like Baby Driver, it is a car or it is a action movie set to music. There's no irony to that necessarily. Uh, but all right, so we are... We both have one steal left. We do. Whew. Straight to video for this one. <laughs> so we've got the semifinals. I was going to say during round two... Round two. That in terms of minorities, we were down to just one Jordan Peele, and now we have zero. Now we've come here, the final four, four white yeah. men. So first up, we have... Fincher and PTA. Yes. Ooh. How many more films do you think Fincher's going to make? I... I don't know. I don't. I feel like he's gonna do a lot of TV. That scares me. Like I don't give a fuck about Mindhunter. I know that's on me. It's really good. It's so really they say. good. But um, I don't know. It. I want to say Fincher. So do I. The only thing is that I think again, Fincher has a problem where he'll use material that's not as good as him, and I think PTA because he writes his own material, whether it's flawed or not, it is. The best version of that he could have made. Yeah. Whereas something something like Mank, you know. Or, yeah, well, or, Mank you know. was the first one that Fincher wrote himself. Well, I mean, his dad wrote no, it. No, that was his yeah. dad. Yeah. But, so, uh, There is know. something very <sighs> impressive about essentially writing and directing your own film, which Dave Fincher hasn't done. But if... If 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 I found out a Fincher movie was coming out versus a PTA movie was coming out, I don't think it'd be a question for me. I'm going to the Fincher one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if opening night by some scheduling uh, mishap, there they premiered at the same time. I think I would have no choice. But yeah, I feel like I know where this whole thing is heading. Oh, yeah, I might too. All right, so we're advancing David Fincher. I would say uh, ET is pretty sexy. <laughs> what happens next is about to be interesting i i I think some rock paper scissors might be played in our near future yeah (laughs) so So i think i'm gonna go so this is chris nolan versus quentin tarantino and i'm gonna go with nolan and my reasoning is gonna be that with tarantino i mean beyond the fact that he's only got one movie left i think he's very comfortable and I think Nolan is always pushing himself, which is something that I really admire. He's not every movie that he's made. He's trying something new out. He's never just like, I'm going to make the same movie with the same aesthetics and just different characters. He's always sort of tackling a different thing. And I'm, and again, he's, he's kind of the last auteur blockbuster director, really, that we yeah. have left. And it's always fun to see someone working at that scale, making something so unique and interesting. I can't disagree with anything you just said, but uh, through my own my own opinion, I just I prefer I prefer Tarantino kind of in every way. Um, and I don't like rewatching Chris Nolan movies outside of The Dark Knight. And Tarantino is some of my favorite rewatches. I'm a sucker for dialogue. Chris Nolan is not good at dialogue, and Tarantino is the king. What? No, I disagree. People have to make fun of Nolan dialogue. Nolan sound mixing kind of pisses me off too. And Quentin Tarantino kind of has decided for the past couple generations, like what is cool, which is uh, which Chris Nolan. But I would I would argue that Chris Nolan has too. I, I mean, ever since the release of The Dark Knight, and then he reinvented movies, 
or big movies with the Dark Knight, and then he reinvented it again with Inception. Yeah, and 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 he's what's the he's third? What's every the third time pillar? I think Interstellar kind of. I mean, I don't know that it reinvented things, but it, it definitely like people still talk about Interstellar, and that movie came out at this point like seven years ago. Here's my uh, case for it. Yeah. All right, Tarantino will make a very enjoyable movie, but I think you will have a general idea of how that movie's going to go. See, when I went when I went to see Once Upon a Time, it's like I'd seen every Tarantino movie hitherto. So you'd think I'd have a pretty good idea of his recipe. And he still he still surprised me. Well, I'm saying outside of that ending shock. I'm saying like you have a general idea of what kind of movie you're getting into. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could say the same thing for Nolan. I guess, but you don't know. It's different to be like, well, you know you're going to get something that's pretty dialogue heavy. You're going to get something that's like... What I'm saying is you don't know how Nolan is going to, like, blow your mind up, kind of. And see, Tenet, I've liked more each time I've watched it, but the first time I saw it, I was not happy. I know, but then isn't it interest? It's somebody that, like, upon rewatches... Yeah, it gets better with time. I think his movies get way better... The more you rewatch and them, Tarantino and I found is, that is what the inverse of that. I don't think they get worse the more you watch them, but I think the more you watch them, the less you get out of them. So I think if a new Nolan movie is coming out, I know I'm gonna be like, okay, this is the movie I'm gonna obsess over for a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy rewatching this, or I'm at the very least gonna want to rewatch this. Whereas with a with a Tarantino movie, I'll watch it and I'll be like, wow, that was a lot of See, fun. When I, I'm gonna move on to my Nolan. When movie I was work, I was working at the movie theater when Once Upon a Time came out. And for like two months it played and during every screening I would go into the back of the theater and watch for like 10 to 15 minutes. And just because the like the energy in the room and on the screen was so nice and I can't say that I would do that with Tenet. I would only really be that interested in seeing the major action set pieces. And if, if we're talking about Tenet, the final action set piece kind of pisses me off. I like I like that bus stuff. But, um, bus, uh, the major, the highway chase thing. Oh, did you mean the, the fire truck? Sure. All right. Do you want, all right. I think I know where this is going. Rock, scissors? Let's do it. So it's rock, paper, scissors and shoot. Yeah. Rock, rock, paper, paper scissors. scissors. Wait, no, that we can't, we can't do it. Like are you saying cause there's the delay? Just, just don't go slowly. Rock, Agreed. paper, Agreed. scissors. Yeah. All right. Rock, rock, pa- no, you, paper. You keep, stop doing that. You have to go quick. Rock, paper, scissors. Cool. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, scissors. shoot. You can't stop. You have to stop stopping. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. So after many attempts to do rock, paper, scissors over a uh, camera, uh, we realized it didn't make much sense. There's too much of a delay. Using... It was hard to do it in, you know, in unison. And um, we've decided to flip a digital coin. Yes. Parth has selected tails. If he wins, Christopher Nolan will move on. If it is heads, Quentin Tarantino will move on. You want to go with heads? Well, you went with tails. Process of elimination. Yeah, I, I guess I, I did. I don't really yeah. have much of a choice. All right, ready, go. Oh, it's Tails. All right, Chris Nolan to the final round. 
Well, I just reject your hypotheses. Final round. Fight. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize you were gonna push for Tarantino so hard. I didn't realize that. He, he's he's significant. He's one of your guys. I, I I hate to say it. As much of a film student as that make me, he's one of my guys. And it's not. Oh, well. I guess I don't have a steel anymore. I guess we both tried to use our steel. I also I feel like we have to convince each other. Yeah. Well, I guess I made for the final round. It's for the best. That I don't have a steel because yeah. the final round is David Fincher versus Chris Nolan and. I feel like you're going, going with, Fincher, with Fincher, and you know I'm not. Ooh. Uh, well, we can't play rock, paper, scissors again. Well, I guess we might have no choice. No. Um, what do we do? I can't. There's nothing to... Well, how many... Mo- Here's my thing. Do you, th- is there a guarantee that when a Fincher movie comes out... That'll be good. That it will be... His success rate is, like, above 80%. And when and when yeah. it's a hit, like, I, I'd say I like 20% of his movies, and I love 80% of his movies. And Chris Nolan, I... Is that true? Which movies of his do you like? Or the ones I don't love are Benjamin Button, The Game, Panic Room, and Mank. And it, I think he's made nine movies. Alien 3. So Seven, The Game, Fight Club, okay. Panic Room, Zodiac, yeah. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Social Network, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl and Mank. So I guess I love five of those. And I don't love any five Nolan movies. I mean, I love The Dark Knight. Dunkirk is pretty cool. I'm down with Inception. Uh, like I'm, 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 I'm on the border with Tenant, and then you know, and Memento. I'm not going to rewatch again. I mean, that's five, but it's five. I feel more indifferent towards. The thing is, I love, I really love his first movie, Following, which I know you haven't seen. I love Memento. I love the Batman movies, which is that brings us to five, and then I love Inception, and I. I really like Interstellar, so I won't count that. And then I love Dunkirk. I'm going to say I really like Tenet and uh, Interstellar, but I'm not going to count those because... And I really like The Prestige. So for better or worse, you love... We're, we're a bit of at a standstill. You love more of Nolan's movies than I love Fincher's movies. Because I can't bring myself to love, you know, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or The Game or Panic Room. My my thing is this is that when you w- go to a Nolan movie, I, th- I think I'm gonna have more fun at a Fincher movie, and that's what I'm there for. <sighs> I feel like he doesn't make fun movies though. Like, like he makes really good movies, but I don't know that I would call like Seven fun or uh, Zodiac fun. Really, I think Zo- Zodiac and fun. I think they're entertaining, but they're not like fun. I, I just think they're so thoroughly entertaining. It's like. It, it, it's 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 accessing my brain stem and just you know is spoon feeding me serotonin, and Chris Nolan is not that. I'm I'm interested when I'm watching a Nolan movie for the first time, but I'm not really having fun. Like I'm imp- I'm impressed by it as an achievement of the visual effects by and large, but I'm not having that much fun. Really, except for Batman. It's just weird because it's like I think when I watch an, a Fincher movie, I'm blown away by like the technical prowess of mm. it all. And then I'll rewatch it and I'll be like, hmm, it's, it's like, like, again, he's not as good as what he's working with. Whereas I love the performances that Fincher gets. I think Fincher gets better performances than Nolan does. He's just doing all the, all them takes. Ah, do you think we're going to have to flip a coin on this one? You'd hate to see it, but if, if, if we've come. How, how very fucking film student of us to have our entire thing end up pretty much with David Fincher. 
Chris Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I know he's out technically, but yeah, true. Um, if if no if no one's willing to compromise, I guess we have no choice, and we can just let the coin gods decide. All right. So what do you get? I chose tails last time. What are you choosing? There's no room for negotiation. Sell me on Fincher. We've both put our. I like. I don't know that what you could say that would. The thing is, like, if you told me I could only ever see the rest of Christopher Nolan's career versus I could only ever see the rest of David Fincher's career, I have a pretty good. I have a pretty good idea of what Fincher's going to be no doing. Have no idea what Nolan's going to get up to. I have no idea what Chris Nolan's getting out. Especially in the next twenty years, with whatever technology gets developed, who the fuck knows what what he's going to be capable of? Exactly. I feel like. Fincher, for better or for worse, I know, okay, he'll make something kind of dark, kind of crime-related. He'll make something that's kind of procedural, and the performances will be good. He makes pre- he makes prestige pictures, part. Sure. <laughs> but with Nolan, he has a very distinct style, and I guess it is similar, like, you know what you're in for tonally, but I don't think you ever have an idea what you're in for narratively. You know it'll fuck you up, but you don't know in what way. Like, I don't think... Inception is so similar to I, Memento. I only, or... I only care about like Chris Nolan comes up with good premises. Like like Memento is a good premise. Inception is a good premise. But like the drama that's going on between Leonardo DiCaprio and his wife in Inception, I have trouble taking seriously. I am there for the action set pieces and to see what he does technical wise. I, I think we're flipping a coin. Or right, what are you getting? Heads. Fuck it. All right, everybody. It's we're happening. about to flip the coin. Take a side. The, the, the bed. This is... <gasps> Damn it. Fuck! The best... Or, I guess, our favorite living director of the generation has been decided by Parth's phone. It's David it's Fincher. It's David Fincher. Trent gets his way. This feels so nice. Compared to when I don't get my way, like earlier coin flips. It was a good fight. It's like, fuck it, you know? I mean... <laughs> what the fuck? Who is this twerp? Fatality. Well, um, we this has gone on longer than we expected. Do you want to wrap this up? Wait, let's talk about what's next. We have a slate to release. Yes, we have a slate to release, and we are going to put that out on Instagram, but since you made it all the way to the end of this very long episode, we've decided... We'll just tell you what's happening. So we've got a few interesting guests lined up. Trent, tell me the first one. Our first guest is for James Bond Casino Royale, and it's the casting director, Debbie McWilliams. Uh, she was super cool, and she did the casting for the past, like, 14 Bond films, which is pretty pretty, pretty nice. Then what? After that, we've got assistant editor for the loser of this bracket, Chris Nolan's movies. We are talking about Interstellar, and we got assistant editor John Lee to talk with us. He's worked on all of... Nolan's movies post Batman Begins. And we had a big interview the other day, right? You were there too. I remember seeing you there. I think I was when there. When we yeah. interviewed, I vaguely our remember writer it. director, our first director, our second writer. Yes. Um, and who was that? And was he nice? He was very nice, and his name was Evan Morgan, and he wrote and directed The Kid Detective. Yes. And that was a 2020 Canadian film, and it was really good. It's starring Adam Brody, and he talked a bunch about the writing and the directing process and how he got his movie made, how it took eight years to get it made. You know, this whole 
his whole experience with the film industry. Hey guys, Gen- Gen- he gets into his Gen- process. Movie is pretty hard, and he told us a little about a little bit about how you do it, and it still sounds difficult. Yes. Um, so yeah, so you have that to look forward to, and that takes us to September fifth. Yeah, it's like the next. That's like the next six weeks of content. So we hope you have that to look forward to, and we got the rest of summer all lined up. Yeah, and we we're we've got some very interesting things lined up for the rest of the year, and we hope you stick it out. Yeah, you guys have no, no fucking idea what you're in for. Yes. All right. Well, Trent, I bow down to you, winner of the bracket. Thanks. I mean, it's really the coin gods who deserve our recognition, but it is it is nice to be bowed to every once in a while. Uh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure dealing with you. That that was competitive at times. I'm literally in a full sweat. Are, Are you? you? Uh, I, I kind of knew. I I had a feeling I was gonna lose that one. I don't know why. I felt like I I'd, I'd gotten my luck with Tarantino and Nolan. Yeah. And I couldn't. It was not going to be sustainable. Yeah, I've been unbuttoning as we've as we've been going, and now as you yeah, can see, he's I'm, full, I, I'm down to no full buttons. chest. So, with that being said, I think it's time to go. Yeah, um, I think it was a fun little bracket. See you in the next next episode next week. Join us for our interview with casting director Debbie McWilliams. Our standard scheduling program. Bye, fellows. Bye.